This is Indian Noir, India's number one horror, crime and dark fantasy storytelling podcast. Dev Asur, Season 1, Episode 12 A moment ago, Shreya was in a cavernous trap littered with Dhanava dead bodies and surrounded by her fellow soldiers. After the blinding explosion caused by the malevolent sphere, she found herself in an unending landscape of whiteness. Blindingly bright, eerily silent and devoid of any signs of life, the place was the very definition of nothingness. There was no sky. The snow-white ground beneath her feet was solid as rock. She was alive. This much she knew. A transformation was taking place. White wave forms rose from the ground and took on familiar bleached shapes. Fingers of blue energy snaked through the pillars, arches and strange trees with branches that resembled tentacles. She sought comfort in her unsheathed short sword and waited. A yellow flame appeared to her left in the distance, suspended some 10 feet above the ground. There was something familiar and comforting about it. She decided to walk towards it. She had only taken a few steps towards her destination when she heard laughter behind her. Ah! <laughs> the voices of a group of devas she ignored the yellow flame and turned back to greet her fellow soldiers unfortunately she found smirking arrogant faces from the past the gang of gandharvas who tormented her during her wretched days at the academy the bullies who had made her life an unbearable naraka did not fancy meeting us here did you one of the gandharvas a short man with a cruel smile and a crooked nose said no that's the wrong question isn't that right boys he said turning to his four pals a lanky gandharva with a dour face said sweetheart why are you here you have been bothering us like forever We managed to get you kicked out of the academy so we didn't need to see your ugly mug 
And what do you do? You turn up here. <laughs> do you think this is fair? Shreya's anger exploded. She lunged at the men with her fists raised. But the crooked-nosed Gantharva snapped his finger and Shreya froze in her spot like a statue. She couldn't move a muscle. A whimper of helplessness escaped her lips as she desperately tried to get her body to move. The men surrounded her and inched closer to her immobile frame. Well, at least you managed to turn around your failure at the academy and become a Senanayaka. Wah, impressive, one of the police said. Another vile Gantharva piped. I don't agree. She is underqualified for the role. I can give you a role that you will truly enjoy. My father is on the lookout for another Dasi. Maybe you can audition for me first. And I will be sure to put in a good word. Shreya roared in anger. She knew this was not really happening. Or was it? What was this place? What happened to the others? Why were these wretched brutes from the past being manifested into this strange reality to mentally torture her? The crooked-nosed Gantharva pressed his face against hers and said, You need to know your place, Apsara. And that ain't in the upper echelons of the Deva army. Us bluebloods are here to take on the heavy responsibility of military leadership. Sometimes that leadership involves stamping out upstarts like you, who have notions of grandeur. The yellow flame in the distance grew brighter and its radiance lit up the forms of her tormentors. The men pressed closer. I say we teach her a lesson, one of them said. Shreya, Shreya, she heard Indrasena's voice in her ears. The flame filled the air with an electric buzz that chipped away at the invisible chains holding her down. You might have slowed me down, but you sure haven't stopped me. I am coming for your sacred scepters of power. Shreya said as she reared back and smashed her forehead into the bully's nose, breaking it with a crunch. Ah! The Gantharva screamed in pain and stumbled back, holding his bleeding nose. He was in the middle of an angry scream when his body exploded into a thousand white cubes. In the blink of an eye, Shreya swept her sword in a 360-degree arc, slaying the remaining phantoms of her past. When she was done, she spat on the ground and turned and walked towards the flame. Shreya! Tejas! Belvir shouted as he looked in wonderment at the bright white landscape, which was an ocean of chalky dunes defined by streaking shadows. A dimension of nothingness. Was this then the afterlife? No, it can't be. Agony filled Belvir's heart as he contemplated the fate of his fellow soldiers. Freya! Tejas! He shouted to the four directions. <laughs> 
There is no one to save you from your eventual fate, you coward, a familiar voice said. Belvir turned to find the Shasana, standing with the blade pressed to the neck of his beloved Kanjana. The Apsara who was the love of his life many decades ago. The scene was a familiar one. It had happened many years ago during the Kritika campaign. The moment that broke his heart. Kanjana, her stunning heart-shaped face and brown hair caked in blood, was on her knees crying tears of helplessness. She had suffered many wounds and her armor was severely compromised. Kanjana, his Kanjana. He knew what was going to happen next. Yes, you do, the Shasana said. It was as if he could read Belvir's thoughts. And even though you know exactly what is going to happen next, you will fail to stop me, just like last time. The sliding blade nicked the surface of Kanjana's skin, and she cried out his name. I will tear your heart out, Bilvir said, rushing forward. Suddenly, his legs felt heavy, and the snow-white sand that once lay placid beneath his feet started climbing up his leg, slowing down his momentum. It gives me great pleasure to see you in pain again, the Shasana said. Belvir trudged forwards, determinedly, but his pace had slowed down. No, no, he screamed. As the Shasana prepared to slice at his beloved's neck, Belvir willed his bulky form through the quagmire of sand with all his might. Belvir, it is not real. Come back. Walk to the light. Belvir was shocked to hear Indrasena's voice. He turned around and saw a yellow flame floating over the dunes in the distance. He ignored Indrasena's pleading voice and turned back in his zeal to rescue Kanjana, only to watch the Shasana roar with laughter as he sliced open her throat. <coughs> no! Belvir shouted angrily. The amnesty at the end of the Kritika campaign between the Devas and Asuras had prevented Belvir from punishing the Shasana previously. There was nothing stopping him from delivering justice this time round. It's not real, Belvir. Turn back. Indrasena's voice was more urgent and assertive. The Shasana's evil laughter echoed through the landscape as the white sand around Kanchana's dead body turned crimson. It was not real. This place was not real. The real Dashasana was out there, awaiting judgment, awaiting death by Belvir's hands. Tears streaming down his face, Belvir stopped engaging in his futile attempt to save the ghost of his love. With one last angry look at the evil form of the Shasana, Belvir turned and walked towards the flame.
When Tejas was finally teleported into the dimension of bright white landscapes, he had a different experience to Belvira and Shreya. He was not alone. A white-robed figure sat atop a crystalline throne made of material resembling salt crystals. The ivory landscape around them stretched endlessly to the horizon. The man on the throne looked like he was in his late sixties. Even though his skin was pale, hairless, wrinkled and covered in liver spots, a powerful aura, a spell-binding charisma radiated from every pore on his body. The end of his long, well-manicured nails were painted gold and they looked sharp. A mischievous smile lingered on his dark lips and he wet them occasionally with slow sweeps of his golden tongue. A golden silk bandana was tightly wrapped around his eyes, but that didn't seem to impede his sight. After shaking off his sense of disorientation, Tejas pointed his sword at the old being and said, Are you the keeper of this sorcerer's domain, routed by Asura blood magic? The being said nothing. Answer me! Still no response. In the distance, he heard Shreya and Belvir cry in anguish as they were subjected to torturous visions from the past. Your friends are being shown the dark terror hiding away in their hearts. The being spoke up. If anything happens to them, I will end you and your masters, they just said. Masters? I have no masters, the being said. The cries had stopped, but they just looked to the distance, worry lines creasing his forehead. Don't worry, they have already conquered their fears and are walking back to the light, the being said. Stop speaking in riddles, old man, they just said angrily. Do you know why you are not being subjected to similar painful visions? The being said, before running its tongue sensuously over its lips. Because you have nothing. You don't even have faith. Your soul is ripe for plucking. But it's not time yet. The being said. Then why am I here? Thages bellowed, drawing his sword. I wanted to see you. Mmm, delicious, the old creature said. What is this place? Tejas asked. I will tell you, but know that as soon as you leave this domain, you will forget these words that spill forth from my mouth, the being said. The robed man got up from his throne gingerly and fixed his covered eyes on Tejas. This is Urnaraka. At the time of creation, this was the dimension that was to be. But it was discarded, treated as an afterthought. A version of this place became the Naraga that you know of. Tejas sheathed his sword. A yellow flame that materialized in the distance caught his eyes. Indrasena's voice beckoned him. 
Come to me, Senathikari. The old man slumped back into the throne and sighed. It will be a while before we conquer your world. We are playing the long game, you see. We are the ones moving the pieces. And you and your foes are the pawns. Tejas, come to me. Indrasena's voice grew louder and resonated through the landscape. Your leader calls. Go now. The being said, dismissing Tejas with the wave of his hand. Tejas eyed him suspiciously before walking towards the flame which was the source of Indrasena's voice. The being tracked Tejas' journey towards the flame from his crystalline throne. He said, Swarga, Naraka, Bhumi, it will all be ours, for we are the first and the purest, and nothing else deserves to exist. They just stood underneath the flame and called out to Shreya, Balvira and Indrasena. When that didn't work, he raised his Marathaga sword and fired a beam at the blazing light hovering above him. The earth gave way underneath his feet. Soon he was sinking into the white sandy soil which swallowed his legs rapidly. Tejas tried to claw out of the sand marsh, but he couldn't. Then he fell through air, through nothingness. He looked down and sheer terror enveloped his body. His wings failed him. An immense chasm of white and gold awaited his flailing body, which plummeted at breakneck speed. They just fell, and as he did, he fought the urge to pray. He didn't want his final moments to be tainted by his pathetic servitude to the Trimurthis. But Tejas didn't die. His pace slowed down considerably as he landed with a mild thud on a raised grey stone which stood out on what looked like a white bay on a low tide. Standing atop the platform, was Indrasena, wielding a sword covered in splashes of gold. Then Shreya and Bilvir fell from the skies at Indrasena's feet. Tejas, Shreya and Bilvir all took a few moments to get back up to their feet. The harrowing sights they had been subjected to had clearly disturbed them. Their consciousness reeled as they tried to come to terms with the new reality. A potent mix of disorientation and fear gripped their hearts. Now, I would like to get some answers for where we are and what's going on in this awful place, but we just don't have the time. Indrasena said, pointing ahead. The bodies of Deva soldiers who had fallen trying to defend Indrasena were mingled with naked muscled golden forms. They were all dead, all of them, including Commander Dharmaj. 
every single living soul that had shared breath with Tejas and Party in the cavern. I have been fighting off wave after wave of those things while trying to reach out to my uncle, Indrasena said. Tejas noticed that she had one hand clasped around a magical necklace featuring a thunderbolt locket. These soldiers, they defended me so bravely. But those creatures, she said. This is our only way out of this place, Indrasena said, lifting up the locket clutched in her palm. But I need to focus completely. You focus on reaching out to Lord Indra. We will protect you, Tejas said. Indrasena nodded and looked at the others. Belvira and Shreya nodded their support. Indrasena closed her eyes and started chanting mantras, calling out to her uncle. rumbling sound emanated from the surroundings, followed by a braying warhorn which tore through the land of eternal whiteness. Cracks and fissures appeared on the white surface that surrounded the platform, and the golden hands of their deadly enemies reached out from within. Tejas, Shreya and Belvir readied their weapons for the fight of their lives. Restlessness invaded Indra's previously calm meditative state as he lay prostrate on the ground, worshipping Prajapati's feet. Weeks had passed since he had moved from the position. Such was his dedication. But this new, edgy, throbbing sensation demanding his attention was disrupting the integrity of his practice. If only his insipid followers left him alone. Did these fools not understand that his ascension was at risk? The pulsing sensation grew stronger and sent waves of pain across his forehead. Indra hissed in displeasure. He heard Prachapati's cough at this lapse in discipline. Indra did not want to disappoint his teacher. He would not compromise his dreams for his nagging wife or the incompetent soldiers destined to die in endless political wars. Ignoring the knowing signals, he descended back into a deep meditative state. The largest psychosphere in Indrapuri, the capital of Surgaloka, was located at the heart of Indra's palace. The device rested on an obsidian filigreed base in the middle of an atrium. It was a 20 feet tall transparent sphere, which housed golden spherical shapes carried on brass arms leading from a series of concentric tubes. 
the tubes and the arms moved incessantly in loops and paths that boggled the mind. Its divine engineering, so complex, so stellar, that even if you had seen it a million times before, it was difficult not to be mesmerized every time by the strange dance of the metal globes within. Jivaka, the arch Gurunathan of the mage school, was standing beside Sindrani, explaining the situation to her. He was resplendent in a flowing black robe covered in golden illustrations of mandalas and magical scriptures. He held a teal scepter covered in golden bands and gems. Indrani was dressed in a beautiful peacock blue sari, covered in illustrations of the variedly plumed, colourful birds of Swargaloka. This is most unusual, my queen, Njivaka said. Why? Indrani inquired. Because this psychosphere is unique to all the others present on our planet. It only responds to those who bear the essence of Indra, Jivaka said. Indrani's eyes widened as she gazed at the frenzied movement of the mechanism within the device. Indrasena has it. The surge from Majrayutha, captured and tamed within the locket, that rests on her neck, Indrani said. Yes, my queen, I believe it is her, Jivaka said. Indrasena let out a sigh of relief. There was no news of the fate that had befallen the armies of heaven that had assaulted the Danavas at Vanamal. Even the exploratory forces, sent in the aftermath, could not dig up much in the way of information. They are trying to open a portal above the psychosphere. Jivaka said, pointing to twenty Ethermaya Gandharvas, shooting many coloured beams of Marataka energy into the apparatus. But the place this signal is coming from, we will need something really powerful to tear open the fabric of reality. Jivaka had a defeated look in his eyes as he said this. A powerful weapon, Indrani said. Yes, my queen, but, Jivaka hesitated, you need the Vajrayutha, but my husband is not here to wield it, Indrani said disappointedly. Jivaka looked away, almost embarrassed. I will wield it, Indrani said. My queen, Jivaka said with a horrified look on his face. It will harm you. Only Lord Indra. Indrani looked up at the murals on the walls, depicting the many martial accomplishments of the great Indra. A man she had come to despise for his selfishness. Her love for him was diminishing every single day due to the disregard he showed towards his duties to the empire. To her. My husband is not here, is he? Our great hour of need is now. So I will wield it, Indrani said determinedly. Bring me the Vajrayutha.